Blog Talk Radio. I'm not the only one. 
We've got to do something. We're losing people in our sport. We have got to stand up, speak out, and uh, look, no one owns tennis. We have governing bodies that we hope that will do the right thing. We have these organizations that try to do the right thing. They have very good people, and we want them to do the right thing. We hope they'll do the right thing. We hope they'll be good leaders. Uh, but, you know, the frustration is this. The frustration is this. I, I don't think that people understand really what leadership is in any sense of the words. I think there's never been self-help book written on doing the wrong thing. I think just as human beings, we do the wrong thing naturally. I think we have to learn to do the right thing. I don't think a lot of times when people are put into leadership positions, the disclaimer would be that you get put in a leadership position, you want to do a good job, and at first you just go along with things, then you sort of read the lay of the land, and then you try to implement your ideas in there, and you hope they work, and when they don't work, sometimes you see eye to eye with someone, sometimes you don't. But the bottom line on the thing, leadership takes a long, long time. And you have to, you are not, you might have the traits to be born a leader. You might have the need as as a personality, uh, you know, to be forceful and to be a leader. You might have the ambition to be a leader. But the bottom line, it takes a long, long time to get people to do things they need to do, not because you want them to do, but things are right. You mold how to mold the inside of human being to be who they are, not to be who you want them to be. You must allow independence in other people. You must help people mold their will maybe, but never break their spirit. That the United States of America, our government and everything that we do is founded upon strength in the individual's heart in that they are individuals, and in our world are 350 million Americans. Every one of them are unique, how God made them. And on the outside, the chain of command is important. But think of what we're doing wrong here at the onset when I, as I start talking about this. We, most people, when they get into leadership, our governments, our top-down management especially, try to mold the outside of the person or the inside of the person to think like they do, but on the outside they preach diversity, diversity, diversity. But on the inside they want conformity, conformity, conformity. That is not the way that we were made to be. That is not the way God intended us to be. He meant for us the chain of command is on the outside, and yes, we're supposed to honor our leaders, honor our rules, honor our laws, but on the inside, 350 million of us are supposed to be diverse on the inside and strong and resilient in trying to find out what our mission in life is, not to make everybody conform on the inside so they believe exactly like us. The most boring thing in the world is to ever be around people that think everybody in the world would want to be like me if only they knew how. That is not the way to be a leader. There are three kinds of leadership, okay? You have leadership by example, you have leadership by persuasion, and then you have coercive leadership. What I believe is that the more and more that we get to a socialist type of mentality that is a top-down mentality, 
We are forcing leadership by coercion, coercive leadership, persuasive leadership somewhat, but leadership by example is where we should be following. How does, what does this have to do with tennis? Our program today, Chase the Diamond, not the Rhinestone. Chase the Diamond, not the Rhinestones. And it says promoting a wrong prize often makes our youngsters run the wrong race and do it in the wrong way. It is critical to help our young people pursue mastery of their craft first and then chase success after. I'm very frustrated, and I want to just tell you a couple quick stories. First of all, three parents call me this last week after uh, a couple junior tournaments held here in the South. Parents beyond belief saying it rained, they pushed us inside, we're playing no ad scoring, abbreviated sets, ludicrous. My son, my daughter, they work, work, work to try to be excellent, and then it comes down to a hocus-pocus crapshoot of two points determining the whole match. And, folks, most people, I'm not going to get into explanation again that I've been many times, but in a normal set, you know if you play no-add scoring in a normal set, one no-add point, it's a let cord, one point, a game point, that you get by luck, hook, crook, cheating, Whatever happens, the difference in a 5-5 five, five, or 6-4 game. All right, one point, one point, if it's two points on game point, it's the difference in a 6-2 or 4-4 four, four tie. It's the 6-2 set or a 4-4 four, four tie. Do you know if you lose three, three game points, it's either a 3-3 three, three score or a 6-0 loss? And... We, we have a game of skill. Why don't you understand our leaders out there? Why do you not understand that when we have a game of skill, that it should never be marked by random methods? Randomness should not be a measurement for a game of skill. Simple enough said. Please think through that, what I'm saying. Could you imagine if we played football and a throwing touchdown because it's fancier, costs, it, it counts 12 points instead of six. If you run a ball in, if you run a, a, a touchdown in, it's only six. Could you understand the skew that we would have? Could you imagine in baseball, if you hit a home run, it's worth two. By the way, if it's over 400 feet, it counts three. Guys, folks, we're, we're doing this with our kids. We're giving them random methods of winning and i hate to say it but cheating or hocus pocus or luck is more important than learning that slice backhand or momentum control or mental toughness or any of the other skills so i had three parents call me beside themselves well how how in the world are they to get their message out they usually go to the tournament director then the tournament director say oh we've heard this enough time just be quiet if you don't want to be in our tournament, don't be in our tournament. By the way, we might write you up for the USTA. The parents get afraid, and they buckle, and they back down. Then they come home disenchanted. I get calls. What are we supposed to do? Well, you need to stand up. You need to speak out. But we need a movement like American Tennis Patriots. I'm going to open up that 
Facebook, fake book, fake book. Everybody's a hero on fake book. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the American Tennis Patriots, we need American Tennis Patriots. We need something. We need a, a doggone tea party of tennis or something to get our way of uniting and bringing this to the attention of our learned lead, our leaders who mean well. I believe they mean well, a lot of them but at the same time, maybe not. The other frustration, we went to an NAIA tournament the other day. Now, you've got to understand I'm a college coach. My first goal at this stage in life is help my players get better. My first goal is to help them learn that if they work really very, very hard for something and they accomplish it, they will have a habit for the rest of their life about knowing how to work for something and they earn it. 100% of our practices in the fall, we use traditional scoring, three out of five sets when we can, on clay when we can, and we try to make it tough on our players. I want to find out who the best players are. I do not want two points or three points in any hocus-pocus show to determine how good our players are. I don't want, to, I don't, I don't want randomness to just determine who our best players are. So here's what's happened. The ITA, force-fed, Division I tennis, they pushed through the rules about four years ago. They pushed five years ago. They pushed it through. After 147 years, they decided, hey, this will. Now, now the ruse or the red herring was, oh, we're doing it for time. Oh, we want to get on TV. Well, there's so many holes in that argument, you know, and as air conditioning, there's so many holes in that argument. We said, if you want to get on TV, why the heck don't you just have a TV format and forget it? We're never going to be on TV at the level we're playing at, or neither is there a lot of small schools. The ones that get on TV, let them do a hokey pokey show or a hula hoop contest out in front, you know, and just have a TV format. So it's a lie. It's a red herring. Lie might be too strong of a word, but that's the only way to describe a, a mistruth. So they pushed a red herring forward and said it's about time. It's, oh, the welfare of the student-athlete. What, what welfare of the student-athlete? Are you kidding me? Right now we only get 20 hours of practice a week. Right now we only get 25 matches a year. Are you kidding me? In nine months we get to play 25 matches? Oh, my golly. Well, the proof's in the pudding. You know, in 1986, we had 41 college players, USA-born, that were in the top 100 in the world. Today, we have four. Of course, we're not getting the job done in developing players. Of course, if you want your career to end, oh, 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 I love college tennis so much. I love it. If you go to the wrong program, your career's done because the coach will roll the balls out and try to recruit good players and recruit over you. Your career be done. But... There are great coaches out there trying to develop players. A lot of coaches don't know what's going on. But the long story short is the ITA pushed this through four, uh, five years ago, and it was done by hook and crook. They never had a consensus. They force-fed it through. We had petitions. We had articles. We had all the, all the, the things in the world. They loaded the deck with who the NCAA Tennis Committee was. They loaded the deck with who the ITA committee was. The ITA committee right now consists of four coaches and 21 marketing people or admins who've never coached. It's 
awful. And so they pushed it forward. So we're going, whoa, man, there must be some agenda somewhere. That's the first thing about the deep state here. Secondly, huh, I'm still into naming it, folks. We're going to name it, claim it, tame it now. Stick with me here. Secondly, so what I did was I said, okay, I'll just schedule a lot of D2, D3s, junior college, and I don't care. Then I'll play our conference. By the way, our conference coaches, I talked to every one of them. Every one of them wanted to play traditional scoring, but when the vote came up, most of them just sort of, oh, my golly, the ITA is doing this, so oh, we better do this. And it's okay. Good people. Good people, just not at the same place, maybe. You know, probably, you know, uh, when you get old, you just sort of want to fit in. When you're young, when, uh, sorry, when you're old, you give up. When you're young, you just fit in. And when you're in the middle, you try to keep the golden handcuffs on. You want to get that retirement. I understand all this. I understand all of it. It's okay. You don't judge anyone. But bottom line, wrong decisions. Most of the coaches got afraid and buckled and went in the NCAA D1. They buckled. So for a couple years, I've been playing D2, D3s. Well, guess what? They pushed it to D2 two without a vote, without a vote. Now they've gone to NAIA. They pushed it through there. So I went to a tournament down in Georgia a couple of weeks ago, and it was a Awful, awful how fast one set for doubles, no ad, wasn't worth the money. A couple guys got a few things out of it, mainly from the practices that they did as far as getting ready for the tournament. But the bottom line is when a player wins, you don't know why. When they lose, you don't know why. Oh, I won three game points. I won two game points, no ad points. Oh, wow, I lost because I had three game points and I only got one of them. I mean, the players don't know if there was their backhand or forehand or whatever. So, look, the bottom line on thing where it has methodically been pushed through college, it has to be, there has to be a deep state of tennis. It has to be. No, no doubt about it. There, there, there's, this is, if it's a well thought out thing for the development of players, it, it's, Somebody's making the wrong decision because they don't understand tennis and they're not respecting the heritage of tennis. Secondly, you know, they pushed it through D2. Without D, now they're trying to get D3. D3 is stuck to their guns, so is junior college. They've stuck to their guns, so maybe we can get some matches there. But here's the point. When they first did this, I said, mark my word, they're going to be pushing it down into juniors. And they tell parents, oh, you're playing the college system. So parents get afraid. Oh, we better play the college system. One ad set. Tournament directors say, hey, this is great. We get out of here by 6 o'clock. We don't have to stay late at night and play. And everybody says, oh, wow, this is – kids are going, whoa, what just happened? And pretty soon they'll be bled into it. College players will be bled into it. Then guess what? They're doing it as experiment with the ITF. They're bled into it. Now nobody's going to argue in four or five years. I have brought this up before. There are two reasons we should not be doing this. Number one, I think the deep state with the deep state basically goes back to gambling. You can listen to my program from January 31st, 2018. I unveiled everything. 
and I've read, I've, we've covered this before on the program, but the ITF got $70 million last year from the gambling industry for live stream scoring. Now, they'll argue, hey, we've got good handle on all the gambling. Well, that's because they're in there getting getting some money. And uh, there's a great article written by a young lady who's out playing her first pro tournaments. She was a Big Ten player, and I, I have her article somewhere. But look up the deal made, ITF's deal with the devil. And basically, it's all about how that's involved now in our sport of tennis. Well, where does that happen? Well, <laughs> randomness feeds the house, folks. Randomness feeds the house. They don't want Nadal and Federer and Djokovic and the best players always winning. They would like random results, and that pays the house. And, and the long story short on it, too, you know, players – Coaches may say, hey, wow, it's not that bad. Well, they just don't understand until four or five years and then using no ad, you take too many losses. I'll give a good example. Uh, on J.P. Weber's program, oh, golly, it's been three, four years ago, and uh, the late Mr. Johnson, Stevie Johnson's dad, was on there, and what a great program. It was right after Stevie Johnson graduated from college at University of Southern California, and most people don't know, you know, his junior and senior year, he went undefeated in college tennis and won the NCAA both years. He was the best player in college tennis. He was the best player. Time after time, he fought off challenges because he could with regular scoring. And, and, and Coach Weber asked him, uh, his father, he said, Miss Johnson, would Stevie have won all those matches? No, and his father said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. He would have taken a lot of losses he shouldn't have taken with random scoring results because it's a game of skill. It's a consistent game. So I want to – this is the background. I wanted to go over this again for if we have new listeners or some of you that need. But what what it all follows, there is a deep state. And it might be, you know, the, like we say, the gambling money. It might be people want more parity without working, without work ethic. Don't you see that if you have talent and opportunities, any any work ethic can win in a shortened, abbreviated version. You don't have to be the best player, and you don't have to train if you're only going to play one set of doubles, no ad scoring, or two, uh, two sets and the tiebreaker for the third set. You don't have to be in shape. So take away work ethic, and then it just comes down to talent level and getting lucky and randomness. But it's more than that. It's it's a breakdown in our culture, in the values that we have. The more that I've tried to approach this from the standpoint of it being wrong and, and the guys who are running it are doing the wrong thing, I, I realize that that more than anything, it's a break it's a breakdown in our moral compass or our Social, our belief in work ethic and deferred gratification over immediate gratification. And it's a breakdown in just those simple values that we try to teach our kids. I was thinking there's a, a wonderful book, as we name it, called Halftime. And those of you who are 40 or 50, about 50 years old, go out and get this book. It's called Halftime. 
It talks about your posterity should be more important than your prosperity. And, you know, in your 40s, frankly, is a decade of coveting. I remember back in my 30s, you're trying to accomplish stuff. In your 40s, you're trying to make your mark, and sometimes you look around and you say, wow, I've climbed to the top of the ladder, and it's leaning against the wrong daggone house. And, and you say, whoa, is this all there is? Is this all there is? The great Greg Patton, who coaches coached Boise State for years, had a uh, he had a motivational talk, and he used to say, the loves of your life and your focus from zero to ten years old becomes who? It's your parents. From ten to twenty, it's usually your friends. <laughs> from twenty to thirty, guess what? It's yourself. Huh? You're in love with yourself in those twenties, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> We are. We do so many selfish things, don't we? It's hilarious. It's not hilarious. It's it's just what it is. It is what it is. 30s until 45, 50 becomes success, family, and well, really, it's it's family and trying to make your mark successfully in your career. And then by the time you get 45 to 60, you're trying to leave your mark. You hope you've done something, leave the mark. And then, of course, after 60, what? We become, we get much closer to God because we understand our days are limited and only the good Lord knows when he will take us out. And after 60, you've heard me say that if you're chasing the wrong stuff, you look like a burnout rock star looking for a new gig. It's very, very sad to see people after 60 chasing stuff over substance. Every week at the end of the program, I'll say you're in the process of winning or losing, and it has very little to do with a win or a loss. You have, you're always in the process of winning or losing every day of your life, and it has very little to do with a win or a loss. I had, uh, in your posterity, I had a coach call me this last weekend. I got a call at 11 o'clock at night from a from a good friend, coach up there in Pennsylvania, Alex. All I'm going to say, Alex, I'm going to shout out to you. And, and folks, it's 11 o'clock at night. I'm saying, oh, my gosh, there's something wrong, man. I hope his family's okay. I hope he's okay. He gets on the phone and says, Coach, I want to tell you we just won state championship, our team. Just won the state championship. And I wanted to tell you that. Whether or not I had anything to do with it all, he said, I've listened to your programs for a lot of years, and and, um, I've just tried to do it the deferred gratification way. I've tried to work hard. I've tried to, you know, teach the kids the right way, and guess what? We got the result. I've tried to teach them mastery over success, and we got the result, and I wanted you to – and I cannot tell you how valuable that that was worth it. somebody gave me I'm telling you three thousand four thousand dollars it would not have been as valuable as him saying that and you can put a price on it but you can't you can't put a price on it it your posterity leaving behind those things that you can pass on that stay with your children with your children. Okay, so what do we try to teach our children? We try to teach them deferred gratification. Do the right things now so you'll have good things later. You have a better chance for success, don't you? 
but you also have peace of mind. So my son had a real tough baseball game last weekend, and I went up to Charlotte and stayed with him. And, it, you know, usually he's solid. My son plays solid ball, but he did not play well, and he was crushed. And afterwards, of course, you don't want to talk about it. He didn't want to talk about it. I wanted to throw my coaching two cents in, but I zipped it. <laughs> Parents, just zip it. I didn't say a word. We went and got crummy dinner that night. I think we ate some burgers or sandwiches from a fast food joint. Went to bed, got up the next morning, and I was able to talk to him. And I thought about two or three, three things, basically. And the first question I asked him, son, the why comes first, basically, in everything. I said, why do you play baseball? Now, understand that when the kid's 14, there's a lot of peer pressure. You know, it could be anything from I don't like to lose to I want to be better than this kid. I want to play pro ball one day or I want to do this. He said, Papa, I, I love baseball. Oh, my God. Whoa. Oh, holy cow. Oh, my God. Did I, I had to turn my head. I was tearing up. Tearing up because it tore my heart up. I love baseball. Right answer, son. Right, right answer. Right answer. I didn't coax it out of him or anything. Right answer. I said, son, I said, if you if you knew, okay, 535 days from now, approximately, they're going to be picking the, the high freshmen in high school for the varsity team. Let's say you work hard every, every day. And then you get cut. You could look back and, and know that you're going to get cut. Would you still do the work? He goes, yes, Pop, I would. I love baseball. <laughs> right right answer. Right answer, son. Oh, my God. I mean, this is the kind of stuff you hope and you pray that your children will chase mastery over success. You hope that they'll be a student, not just somebody who goes to school. You hope they'll be a baseball player, not just someone who plays baseball. You hope they'll be a tennis player, not just someone who plays tennis. So um, here's here we're naming it, folks. We're naming it. So with that, I said, son, then I was able to say, son, you are in complete charge. You're the only one who can decide what your skill set, your skill level will be. You work with what God gave you, and then you decide it based on your work in the way that you honor the game. Honor the game of baseball. Honor it, son. Do your best to be the best you can in it. In doing so, don't you see, folks, don't you see out there that it's not just baseball. One day it will transfer either into another sport or something in school or a profession, or a wonderful woman that he marries, or his children. But he will do the same work ethic for because he loves them or he loves what he's doing. So that's what we want. But, but here's what's happening. Again, your posterity over your prosperity as leaders, we need to understand that as we go through life. But the bottom line, what have we done? 
Well, we've got a lot of burnout rock stars there after 60 still chasing stuff, don't we? Oh, my gosh, Facebook. Everybody's a hero on Facebook, I say. Everyone's a hero. Look, I'm try- I guess I got to do that thing. I hate it because I'm tempted to – I try to tell my friends, never use somebody's name, never be derogatory, don't curse. I've seen myself putting a few daggone dams or hells. I didn't put a hell damn or doggone or whatever in there. But the bottom line on the thing is that it gets out. It goes out there. So how are you going to – well, you're hoping somebody reads this silly thing. But it's interesting if you say something controversial, boy, people clam up and they get afraid. We got a lot of burnout rock stars chasing stuff. Everybody's a hero on Facebook. You know, I see people presenting, making presentations of something they've done and making it look like it's a real championship deal. You know, and when you champion the weak, you're weak in the real champions. Most people don't know what a real success is. You know, I mean, gosh, (laughs) my son's baseball, do you know they give kids when they win a tournament they give them these gold rings with these rhinestones in there. Holy cow. The world promises you buckets of rhinestone, but God gives you the chance to make one diamond with your life. They give these gold rings if you win second place rings or silver with all these rhinestones. Well, that's pretty cool. First couple tournaments, your son wins. You know, he puts that ring up there. And But I think about it, one of my most prized possessions probably are my some of the very hard-earned rings that I've gotten for conference championships and other things. And I've got them in a shadow box, and it means a lot to me, and I've got it in a private place where I look at it, but it's not a show-off deal where I try to say, hey, look how good I was. Maybe I ought to take a picture and put it on Facebook and say, hey, look at, look at, look at here. Burnout rock star stuff again. But the bottom line on the thing is, what are we doing? What are we trying to do? Why are we trying to project some fake book, fake book, fake book relevance? Let's call it fake book relevance. What's interesting, my son with his rings, <laughs> my son, so, you know, he's got 12 or 15 of them or something. So they had a tournament, their paradigm shifted because they finished second in the tournament. They lost three to one a couple of weeks ago. A lot of the kids left the rings on the picnic table. They didn't want them. My son threw his away. I said, why would you throw it away? It'll mean something to you. Oh, Papa, no, it wasn't. It's a bad memory, not just losing, but we didn't do what we needed to do, Papa. We didn't We didn't play hard enough, Papa. It's a bad memory. I said, okay, he's getting it. Now, my, my wife was great. She used to not allow them to take participation trophies. You know, she didn't want them to think, it, you know, just the irrelevance of it. It's, it's. Uh, oh, gosh, my kids swam for about four years in this rec league in the summer. Everybody gets a ribbon. They just throw those things away. It wasn't even something that saved. You know, it's meaningless. Kids at that age even know that it doesn't mean anything. What are we doing? So everybody's here on Facebook. So, look. Wherever you go, you take yourself with you. No matter what, if you change playmates, change play boxes, put it on fake book, 
and make it look good wherever you go. You put yourself, you take yourself with you. And look, what we've done, and, and here is the name it, and we're going to claim it. But let me tell you how we're going to tame it. First of all, we got to get rid of the point system for junior tennis. Do you hear me? U-S-T-A. U-S-T-A. I know it's easier on the computers to just plug in points. Oh, it's so easy when you don't have to go back through the old methods of head-to-head and head-to-head matchups and the value of different tournaments, of these tournaments of heritage. Now you just go, oh, is a level three blue group YMCA local tournament. It's worth this many points, and you just plug in the points. Boy, what a disappointing thing. Uh, when I went to a junior tournament recently, they don't even put the draw sheet up. They said, oh, go to this website. I said, well, it's too hard to get up. They said, no, nah, come on, get up with the 20th century, one of 21st century, one of the refs told me. I said, no, no, I said, I'm sorry. I like to see the draw sheet out there. They don't even put it up. Kids used to like to look at the draw sheet and see themselves advance. And sort of that was part of the deal. And, and and so what have we done? We Yeah, I know it's easier to do the daggone point system, but it is absolutely taught our kids that success is more important than mastery. I had uh, taught a young youngster about 12 years old the other day. His father came running up, and he said, motivation is the most important thing, and motivation is the most important thing, and it well, I said, basically, the most important thing is your youngster to fall in love with the sport. Here's what you do. Get him a wood racket, have him hit against the backboard with a dead ball, and see what happens when he can make four or five. Then he's going to want to make seven in a row, then 12 in a row. Then he's going to call you outside and say, Dad, I can make 25 in a row. And then work for mastery. Mastery. Because... The old wood rackets made it more of an art form, and I, I, it's a whole other discussion about technology. But don't you see that when technology does it for the youngster, when they accomplish something, it's a very much of a neutral nothing. When they fail at it, it's like, what the heck's going on? So it's neutral negative. When you use the old rackets to hit the ball on the backboard, when you hit, use the, uh, the, the old rackets to hit the ball on the backboard, what happened, folks, was that if they did well, they go, whoa, there it is, there it is, and they'd have a dopamine rush. They didn't know what dopamine is, but the dopamine rush they would get from it was unbelievable. Then if they miss, they go, whoa, it's really hard. It's like playing the violin, I told the parents. It's like playing the violin the first four or five months. It sounds awful. It sounds like a dying cat. Then pretty soon they're playing – Twinkle, twinkle, little star, or, you know, something, and you go, whoa, wait a minute, I think I hear a melody, and five years later, you go, their violin's making you cry. Well, tennis used to be that way, <clears throat> and you had to have mastery. So our kids, look, our kids are learning how to play, but when we chase points, they're becoming passionless robots. They want things because adults want things. Adults think material, material, material. Kids are not thinking that way. Point system, number one, claim, let's claim it. And how do we tame it? Dump the point system. It's killing us. The abbreviations have to go. 
the abbreviations have to go. Tournament directors, let's get tough again. Sorry if you have to stay till nine o'clock at night to finish a tournament. Sorry if Matt one you have one match where one little kid's toughing it out and they have a three hour match. You know how much they get from that three hour match? Tournament directors, they get more out of that three hour match than they do three whole tournaments nowadays. All of the great, great things that you remember about tennis were the hard things and the hard lessons you learned. I remember two high school matches, or three. <laughs> One I was up a set and 4-1, and I lost, and it hurt so bad I'll never forget that. Oh, I wanted to practice and practice and practice till my hands bleed because I hated losing. But I also remember winning a match 7-5, 20-18 in the third set forever. That has given me confidence as a youngster to where I wanted to do it again and again and again and again. Let's not blame it. Let's tame it. Dump the abbreviations. Again, admins, you marketing people. Get the marketing people. You should be second stringers. Marketing people, sorry, but you're second stringers. Let's get the coaches as first stringers. The admins need to be coaches and people who love and know the game. Get the daggone marketeers as second stringers. Very simple thing. You know, last year I was in uh, Hilton Head, and USTA person was there saying, you know, if you've got a great idea, let us know about it. We'll market it, and then you can use it and promote it, and then it'll become something. I go, whoa, 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 wait. No, 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 no. You got it backwards. When you got an idea, you work it and work it and work it, make it successful, then you market it. So there you go. Uh, it's it's just a fundamental fundamental of character building of things of deferred gratification that marketing people don't understand and listen that's okay I'm not a marketing people but let's claim it and get it right name it claim it and tame it let's tame it get the admins to be coaches and the not marketing people and the ITA I'm going to hammer you again daggone it you guys have messed up more than you ever know. You're going to be known for destroying college tennis one day, whether you like it or not. And I can't be kind about this because I've been so involved for so many years. And it just, it's like if you're, one of your children grew up to be a drug dealer or something. You've diluted, polluted, and prostituted the greatest game in the world. Why? Because you got marketing people in there, 25 board members. One of the guys, the leader, told me, oh, my gosh, we got 21 of them are marketing people and business we're going to make it really hum. Do you see the, the common goal as that USTA person told me? Do you see the common goal? I wish I'd had, no, we have 21 out of 25 coaches, and the coaches are working to see what process develops tennis the best and honors the game of 145 years. Look, our admins – our admins are good, good people, but look, I don't try to be a marketing person. I'm not. I'm an educator. I'm a, a tennis coach. I'm not a marketing person. I can't go out on the road and market things. And just like they shouldn't be in there and running what we do, they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. The admins need to be coaches and teachers, not marketeers. We need to dump the point system. 
more than more than ever before we need to to promote and to teach our children process over product passion first love of what you're doing then the success will come you honor the sport you respect your opponent then success will come it, it, whenever whenever you're working with young people remember Top-down management or stuff will not motivate. Just think of the rings thrown into the trash can. My chill, my chill. 14-year-old kids understand that you get a rhinestone is a rhinestone. It's something cheap and flashy. The real diamond is a real success. More than anything, listen. This program, as we've it's developed. I know that I've pointed out a lot of things, but we really, really, really need you, mom and dad and coaches and anybody that's listening to this, stand up, speak out, do it in the right way. If you're old, don't give up. We need your wisdom. Don't tank. Go live in one of these retirement villages. Don't tank and say, I'm just going to play golf. We need you. We need your wisdom. Young people, on it. Don't just try to fit in. You just try to fit in. Remember, if you just try to fit in, you'll never stand out. And it's not like you get to be 30 years old. You say, okay, now I'm going to stand for something. Uh Uh-uh, it doesn't work that way. And the middle-aged people, remember, the golden handcuffs are still handcuffs. And, and again, I know we've got to keep our jobs. You've got to be politically correct, address issues, not people. You've got to be smart. And I hate to say political correctness. You know what I'm saying. You've just got to use your head, address issues. Here's here's the rule. Address issues, not people. Stay professional. No one will find fault. And I want you to remember always, everybody, you are in the process of winning or losing every day of your life, and it has very little to do with a win or a loss. Do your part. Honor the game protect our history and heritage, and always, always, the passion will be there if you make it real simple for kids. You don't, it's not about stuff. It's about the challenge, the journey, and their love of the game. You're in the process of winning or losing every day of your life, and it has very little to do with Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.